Glory to God. Hallelujah. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come and drink, all who are thirsty. Drink freely the waters of life from the throne of God risen in our hearts. Thank you, Father, for fresh aquifers, springs, rivers, <laughs> an oasis, a sea and an ocean, <laughs> fountains of glory. Fountains of the Lamb. Fountains of the Garden of Eden. Spring up fresh and new. A glory spa in you. Let the refreshment of heaven be so great through our souls that our entire cities get tranced out by the glory released from our hearts tonight. There is enough living water coming through us, overcomers, on the top of Mount Zion to trance out the entire planet into heaven. Whoa, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> Let's feel in the marination of the oil of heaven tonight. I love just soaking in the glory of God. <laughs> and you never need to justify it to anyone. You only have to explain your behavior to God. Scripture says, I have sinned against God and Him alone. So when you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to purify your hearts from all unrighteousness. You're clean. Don't let people's accusations make you dirty again. If you're clean in God's eyes, what's in their eyes judging you that makes you unclean? It's called specks and planks. That's why you can only serve the Father. You can never serve men and women. You'll never be good enough if you try to serve men and women. If you try to please men and women, you'll never measure up. But if you serve the Father, you'll measure up every day because you have the high priest of faith in your heart. Jesus pleases the Father perfectly. And if you yield your carnal members, your heart, brain, and bones to the greater one in you, You'll overcome he who's in the world every day. You'll have victory every day. Christ, our anointing, always leads us in triumphant procession. 
Glory to glory. <laughs> He'll never lead you into a pit. Remember, he said about those that were blind, the blind lead the blind, and they both fall into a pit. Clearly, Jesus is saying, where I'm leading you, there are no pits. Instead of pits, I give you pools. The pools of the spas of the Garden of Eden. I will give you a glory spa every day, says the Lord. Why? Because now your new life is hidden in Christ in the Garden of Eden. I'm not feeling that way. You will if you follow Christ. Give him a chance to be Lord of your life. Give him the reins, the bit and bridle of your mouth. The body is referred to dozens of times as a horse in the scripture. Pale horse, black horse, red horse, yellow horse. We want the white horse. The white horse is when you're no longer controlled like a slave, but now you're a willing volunteer in the day of his power, and his power is controlling you. Do not be like the horse that must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. He wants free range. <laughs> he likes the fresh, tender, green pastures. The glory of God is in the freedom of the soul. That we chose him. That we desired him. We could have done anything in this world. We could have served any 200 million demon gods, false gods, other gods, idolatry gods, and we said no to every other god and serve the one God, Jesus Christ. God has given him a rank and a name above every other name. The name is the Hashem. The Hashem is God, the name of God. Hebrews says that God has given him the name. It's an uppercase N. In Aramaic, it's the Hashem. It's the very name of God that he has given Jesus, Godship. <laughs> He's not a man. He is fully God. He has given him a rank above every other angel. Aren't you glad you picked that God? Hallelujah. Oh, that you have the God that was given the name above every other God, that if you serve that God, they will bow to the real God that outranks every other angel God in your heart. The Bible uses these terms, calls angels other gods. Far outranking the angels far outranking every other God, the Father has given him the name. <laughs> Bowing to the name, serving the name, and the name is to be written on your hearts. God. And the name is to be written in your foreheads. God. Not a God separated from Jesus being hidden in Christ, folded into 
the anointed one and his anointing. Folded over and over, the deeper the depths of the glory, the more folds that your person has been folded into God until you're so folded so deep. There's no difference between you and the name. All that remains is Hashem, God, the name above every other name. That's the Most High. That's being hidden in Christ. That's living in the secret place, the stairway of the heart, Jacob's ladder, the angels ascending and descending in your spirit, in your renewed soul in the fountain that you've released deep within you. That's a fountain of heaven, and that spring is making a difference in the earth. Each Christian brings a spring out of their innermost being and begins to water the garden. Four rivers flowed out of the east of Eden and watered the garden of the earth. You know what that East Eden gate was? It was the spirit gate of Adam and Eve. Well, when they died, that gate closed. And there was no longer a fountain of heaven to earth. And earth became very dry. The Bible says it became cursed. And they had to till the soil by the sweat of their brow. Working the field. And hard, sweaty labor. It wasn't like that before. The whole earth gave its fruit effortlessly. The whole earth gave its wealth effortlessly. The rivers had wealth in it, it says in Genesis 2. There was gold in the rivers. There was gems in the rivers. There was wealth flowing like rivers through the whole face of the earth. But in the fall, it all got locked up. It all got dry. It all got sick got cut off from heaven by the greed of the fallen angels. And so you are overcoming the greed of Satan as you release springs of heaven through your heart. It's the sacrifice of everything valuable to the kingdom of hell. What is your daily death? Sacrificing what hell desires doing it for heaven and not hell. Everything you do for heaven releases more living water. Everything you do for hell dries up the place. And so we have dry spells because we taste our own sin from time to time. <laughs> He'll give us breaks. He'll flood us with grace. Oftentimes, He wants you to look within and see what you are and face reality of your true condition. That's wisdom. It's called the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. <laughs> what is man that you would notice him? What is man that you would consider him? For God has created man lower than the angels for a little while. What is man? A cup for God's divinity. The entire purpose of your physical existence is to be a vessel of the precious ointment of God the King. 
that is the oil of the olive tree of Israel. Romans chapter 11. And you as wild branches were cut off, but are now engrafted into the olive tree. You are now a cultivated olive branch. And what is the olive branch? You connected to the Spirit of God and producing the oil of God and the oil of heaven and the oil of rejoicing, the oil of bliss <laughs> that will drip from the branches of the tree of life upon all creation. The oil of life. The water comes into the roots. We have the water. The wind strengthens the roots in the trunk. The wind removes the pests. The light of God causes the tree to grow. The fire and the light, the star, the morning star, shines upon your leaves so you can grow up higher and absorb more light. All to produce a greater oil, a greater anointing. Do you realize God has cultivated you into the tree of life. Psalm says, and they are like olive trees planted by a river, <laughs> bearing fruit in season, whose roots are never dry. All these verses talking about God gardening your souls. Why does God garden your souls? To make you like him, that's your measure of godliness, to produce the anointing. <laughs> to produce anointing is to be like God. Angels don't produce anointing. They tend those who produce anointing. Ministering servants sent to help those who produce the oil. God is cultivating olive tree farms. He's a farmer. He's a gardener. You know, it's through the farming and gardening of God that heaven comes to earth. Jesus spoke about the vineyards attached to the vine, bearing fruit and fruit that lasts. You will know them by their fruit. So it's the fruitfulness of the believers that brings heaven to earth. Do you see here the contrast between the dry and the baptized, the marinated, the saturated, the soaked, <laughs> the pickled, the ones that live in the sauce of Eden and the ones who have no oil in their lamps, the ones that haven't drunk the river? And so you bear so much fruit that you can say the spirit and the bride say come and drink so that you also can become the trees of the anointing oil, the trees of life. And even though you are each a tree, as the blind man said during the transition of the realms and dimensions of his healing, I see all men as trees. Whoops, wrong dimension. Pray again. Whoa, there it is. Now I see in the natural dimension. We'll see in 4D, now I see 3D. But he saw into the Spirit. The Holy Ghost showed him 
the spirit world that all men were trees. The Holy Ghost put that in the Bible because it's true. The Bible talks about a dead oak. The Bible talks about thorns and thistles, a dry place, weeds. Jesus spoke about the parable of the sower and the seed. And the enemy came and sowed weed seed. That's how you know pot's bad. <laughs> the weeds get bound in bundles to be burned in hell. Amen. That's true. <laughs> Trying to make Nazarites out of you. Do you know every leader of Joel's army is a Nazarite? It's been foreordained for 2,500 years. The only sin that Joel preached against was the sin of alcohol. In the whole book of Joel. No other sin. Why? Because the leaders of Joel's army were prophesied 2,500 years ago to be all Nazarites. And the Nazarite vow in the New Covenant isn't like so much like Samson and all the Nazarites of old. In the Old Covenant, in the New Covenant, it means no alcohol. Why just no alcohol? Why not all the hair stuff and the weird stuff about the graveyard? Well, because all of that is sanctified in the New Covenant. We don't follow Levitical prescription and Levitical code anymore. We're in the New Covenant, which is the law of love. And the reason why it's only alcohol in the New Covenant Nazarite vow is because that's the only sin that Joel, of Joel's army, the prophet Joel, preached against. Because that's the only thing that will divert you from your actual calling and anointing to bring the wine of heaven is the alcohol of earth, which is just a counterfeit. And it's clearly not forbidden in the scriptures, but God always holds leaders to a much higher level of accountability. People have been going crazy on that one this week. Shocking how many sipping saints. Oh, well, the Bible says it's okay. Yeah, but why are you manifesting then if it's okay? Why are you defending your sin against the holiness of God? The thing is, is people are convicted by the Holy Spirit and they just sear their conscience like, forget that. I'm not doing that for God. They do it so easily. And it really grieves me. It really grieves me how a lack of tenderness there is towards the unction of the Holy Ghost. That if people would soften their hearts when the Spirit speaks, He would lead them deeper into the glory. But people are like, I can't give up that sin. I can't give up that pleasure. I don't consider that sin. And they don't even listen to the Word that's trying to save them. See, these are the progressive steps of sanctification that will take you into glorification, but most people that we preach to over the years, and there's been millions, reject the step called sanctification. I'm not saying you're not saved, you're justified, you believe in Jesus, but you're very, very far from the glory because the glory is the greatest, most perfect holiness of all experiences in the New Covenant. The very hope of the New Testament is called the hope of glory. The hope of glory. Now, we're in the glory, so we have realized that hope. We have realized that glory. Most Christians have not at all. And you see the very sins manifesting every day of what keeps them out of the glory because the Word comes to sanctify and if they reject the word and they're just mocking the holiness of God, they're mocking the Nazarites of God, they're mocking Joel's army, 
they're making themselves the enemies of sanctification. And that's just very, very, very sad. Very sad. And so I try to separate myself as far away as I can from mockers, from brawlers, from those that strife towards the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit has done a lot of work and a lot of sanctification in a lot of people here over the years. And if people can't honor the works of the Holy Spirit, have nothing to do with them. These are a satanic brood of vipers. These are enemies of Christ. They are anti-Christ. If they come with tender humility saying, wow, maybe there is more here than just what I know in my own brain, and they come with even an inkling of humility, there's a chance for growth. But if you come with pride and you come being a know-it-all, there's zero chance for growth. There's only 100% chance for a fall. Everyone who grieves, quenches, and resists the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of glory, falls. And the greater you walk in the Spirit of glory, the greater your sanctification, the higher the divine quality of life in your soul. And wisdom knows that's the most valuable thing in the universe. <laughs> Foolishness mocks it because they haven't paid any price and most of them haven't even begun being sanctified. So just be aware of all these things and when you grow in wisdom, you'll know what to speak when the realm of the dead starts shooting serpent poison at you. Every day in public ministry, they shoot serpent's poison at us, at our holiness, at our name, at, at the glory we walk in, at the words we preach, at our revelation, because hell does not value heaven. Remember, they fell, the kingdom of hell and the 200 million fallen angels fell out of heaven, and they hate the things of heaven. They hate the things of God. They mock God night and day and continuously. They never stop blaspheming, Scripture says. So if you are involved in the kingdom of hell, in the mocking, in the poison, in the accusing, in all the serpent's activity in darkness, I tell you what, maybe these words can penetrate you tonight. Maybe these words can touch your heart. Sometimes God will send his lit ones who carry a great light, carry a great torch on fire, and he'll send them into hell. Usually sends them in two by two. Amen. And they'll create a realm of heaven in the midst of hell. That's ultimately what Jesus did individually when the Messiah came 2,000 years ago. God sent light into the world because the world was completely dark. <laughs> there was no light. The human spirit was completely imprisoned under sin, dirt, dust, mud, and all the fallen angels for thousands of years. And God came into the human spirit through Jesus Christ and light began to shine. Light shone in the darkness. That is the igniting of the human spirit with the gospel of God. That is the light of the world. Your spirit starts as a candle, just one candle, 
and it can grow up to be the brightest of the stars of the sky. It's true. It's called going from glory to glory, light to light, ever-increasing glory. The path of the righteous shines ever brighter to the full dawn of day, meaning that your light outshines the noonday sun. Acts chapter 9 is a picture of one sun dawning. That's a picture of the dawning of day. What did it do? Religion fell off the human flesh like dragon scales. Wow. (laughs) So it blinded man's pride. Your glory will blind all men's pride. And the scales of the fallen angels will fall off all eyes as you bring the dawn of day. Light makers and dawn breakers, the morning star is rising in your hearts. Amen. Woo! It'll peel back all the crust, the mud of sin. And it's mainly religion and pride. It's shocking. There is such a crust over the human spirit. And you're born inside that crust. People are born with their conscience connected to their outer man. That's why the Bible speaks of in Romans and all over the New Testament that the sword of the Lord has to reconnect, do surgery in your very conscience, in the renewing of your mind to connect your brain to your spirit. You're born, your brain connected to your flesh. That's what a sinner is. A saint has their brain connected to their spirit. The Word of God is a surgical device that reconnects the brain to the spirit. (laughs) Only those who are led by the spirit are the sons of God, Scripture says. Nobody led by the flesh, no one uncircumcised of mind is a saint. That's true. Only those circumcised of mind, spirit-controlled, spirit-led, are saints, are sons and daughters. The other ones, their brain is controlled by the kingdom of hell, and you can really tell by their mouths, can't you? You can really tell by their typing on Facebook. <laughs> you can. It's so You get so proficient in discerning of spirits that you'll actually know what's inside people with just a couple sentences. When you start dealing with thousands and thousands of people all the time and you get more and more tender to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's ability to know what's inside everyone's hearts will rise in you because your intentions are to bring everyone to God the Father. So he will share all his ability with those who love perfectly. He won't share that kind of ability with those that just criticize and gossip and are judgmental. They don't get anything. (laughs) You get the greatest gifts from God when you use them to bring people to the Father. He will share his greatest tools, his most powerful resources, and he loves to do it. He's just looking for people that can learn how to love unconditionally, to stop criticizing Stop being jealous, stop being greedy, and start loving, (laughs) putting on the very nature of the Father. What is it? Putting on the name. 
putting on the name. Put the name in your heart. Let it expand. Put it in your blood. We've put everything else in your blood. Anytime you eat and drink, you're putting it in your bloodstream. You know that? Jesus referred to himself and John the Baptist as, Behold the Lamb of God. And we think Passover, the Passover lamb, and now here is the sacrificial lamb, the, the sin offering, and all these things, and they're all true. But I challenge you, the one of the reasons why Jesus is the lamb and not the cow or the chicken, they had all those other animals, and <laughs> why lamb? Because it was the most common eaten food in Israel. It's saying, it's dinner time, behold the lamb. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. It's like, behold the McDonald's of God. It's true. Behold the Happy Meal. <laughs> He's referred to as your dinner. And he says it himself many times. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood drink it all of you when you remember me drinking his blood eating his flesh what is it having a new bloodstream having the nutrients of the glory not just having a seared conscience locked into animal flesh having a softened cleansed healed holy conscience that is softened to the presence of the glory of God and eats the glory and eats the lamb into the bloodstream and changes the DNA, changes the natural realm. It will change the countenance of your face. I remember when I went into Teen Challenge in October of 1999, they have a 30-day ban of seeing friends and family. And so... Two weeks in, we go and do our first church service, and it was at Redeeming Love Church here in St. Paul, Minnesota. And your family could attend where the choir of Teen Challenge was traveling to and performing, and they had Ruth Heflin at Redeeming Love. This was my first time going to church, and I'd been born again like a couple days. I was just a couple days old in the Lord, but I had been so dramatically transformed and exercised of demons that my entire countenance changed my little brother didn't even know it was me couldn't even recognize me because my appearance had changed so much my mom could barely tell it was me she could see it was me but she saw how the demons had been cast out and my whole countenance changed and they both said oh my gosh you look completely different he will lift your countenance and cast the darkness out of you and transform your very souls. And the front of your soul is your face. Did you know that? Your face is the front of your soul called your countenance in the Bible. He's the lifter of our countenance. He's the lifter of our soul. And he will restore the joy on our countenance, the front of our soul will be a mirror of the joy of the Lord in our spirit. And ultimately, when your spirit is so built up through your heart, your face will shine with all the kingdom realm of Zion within you. 
and your faces will change. You know, it says we'll be changed in a twinkling of an eye. Speaking of the face changing, twinkling in the eye. Metamorphosis, Greek word change. Isn't that awesome? You want to change? We need to. We're changing either way. We're either changing by the darkness by not going after the light or we're changing by the light by getting closer and closer in the love of God. What you drink and eat into your flesh is changing you. I'm not talking about Taco Bell. I'm talking about faith and belief systems. The words that you are entertaining, you are eating into your heart. Every person down here, all seven billion of all nations, is a spiritual creature that is eating from the spiritual realm subconsciously. Very few do it consciously. But you are automatically created to feast into your heart things out of the spirit. All seven billion do it. You've been feasting out of the spirit your whole life. And if we're honest with ourselves, before we were trained to be disciples in the feast of the lamb, we were feasting on spiritual darkness. And some of us even tapped into some light accidentally. Like, man, there's some God realms in here. Wow. It depends what your heart is turned towards. If your heart's turned towards evil, you'll feast on darkness. If your heart's, heart is turned towards love and joy, you'll feast on light. People will feast on light before they're even born again. It's true. You see it in the scriptures. These Canaanites would come to him before salvation went to the Gentiles and still start feasting on the Lord Jesus. I have come to the lost sheep of Israel alone. Even dogs eat the scraps off of the master's table. Whoa, okay, okay, you get it. Your daughter is delivered. Go and be healed. So the feast is the lamb. And the feast is the high calling. The very definition of your salvation is the call to feasting. To change the nutrients in your bloodstream. And when your mind is renewed to the Holy Ghost, you'll understand that your bloodstream is your light. Did you know that? That your blood is light, liquid light. Blood is congealed light. And it carries the record of the real things you believe in your heart. You can fake it all you want in your brain, but your blood and your heart Show everyone in the spirit world what you actually believe, how real you are, and how closely you follow Jesus. You cannot fake it in your blood. Your blood carries the record of your belief systems in it. Your blood carries all the words you currently believe. If you believe in some weird stuff that ain't from God, it's carried in your blood. You're going to have darkness in your blood. The quality of light in your blood will be low, It'll make you weaker. That's why the natural man is called the strength. That's the realm of strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Why? Because it's the quality of glory or darkness in the blood. Let us be strengthened in our bones and marrow by the word of God. There is a strength coming for those who are sanctified by the word of grace. 
that will be so set apart from sin, sickness, and disease, they will overcome the process of aging, just like Jesus did. And you do that by your heart changing to believe the words that come from God. You can't have your own stubborn opinions in your heart and affect your blood and expect anything from heaven to change you because you're resisting change. You're holding on to gripe. You're holding on to lies. And how do you know it's a lie? The Holy Spirit is sent to convict lies. May the Holy Spirit convict all of us of areas where we do not believe the truth. We need the Holy Ghost conviction more than ever before. One fly in the ointment ruins the perfume. Holy Ghost. I don't want to be ruined because I wouldn't give this area in my heart. It might be your poverty mentality. It might be your lack mentality. It might be a religious spirit. It might be a lust spirit. It might be a spirit of satanic pride and stubbornness. Do not let one fly ruin the ointment. Meaning, the oil that you're producing by being born again is ruined because you're still demonized. That's why some of these only come out with prayer and fasting, Jesus said. You know how you really blow torch out demons and familiar spirits and I just can't break out of this sin pattern? Some of you haven't been able to stop jerking off to porn since you were 15 years old. You can never break it. Now you're married and have kids and still can't break it and it's hurting your marriages. All these fasting. Do a two-day water fast. You would be shocked how that incubus, succubus, demon spirit just gets blowtorched out of your soul. You'll be shocked. It's horrifying to see how powerful the light of his glory is when you just deny the flesh a little. Some of them only come out with prayer and fasting. <laughs> but you know what? I've noticed over the years, the religious spirit don't come out with fasting. Isn't that funny? That's the worst spirit in Satan's hell. In the whole realm of lying demon spirits and fallen angels, the most difficult spirit I've ever seen anyone wrestle with is the religious spirit. And that's the most common one that you wrestle with after you're born again. It is the sneakiest, worst serpent in the garden. It's the snake that has the whole New Testament memorized. But its interpretation is poisonous. How do you know? It crawls through the skull. It's the wickedness of self-righteousness. That's why Paul grew in his blackness. He did. He grew in blackness. Do you realize that? He says, I'm the least of all the apostles. Then he says, I'm the least of all the saints. Then he says, I'm the worst of all the sinners. That was the progression in his epistles. Early epistles, least of all the apostles. Later epistles, least of all the saints. His very last epistles, the worst of all sinners. He grew in blackness. What is that? Understanding what the human condition is called reality. Also known as humility. Humility. What a human being is, apart from the spirit of grace, it is so healthy to be black in your own eyes. 
total blackness, an absolute understanding of our total dire necessity for the Spirit of Grace. And the Spirit of Grace will just animate someone who understands humility that thoroughly and will totally glorify him into stardom. Those people walk in the greatest glory by far, by far. It is so awesome. Thank you, Jesus, for letting us be nothing in our own eyes. And it allows God to be everything in our eyes. Thank you, Father. You are so beautiful in us, Father. Thank you for making your home inside the weakness of flesh. Isn't that wild how God came into a dirty manger? That he's not scared to live inside your mess. The mess of your flesh, the mess of your house, the mess of your soul, the mess of your ego and pride, the mess of your lust and greed. <laughs> See, because the blood slain, the Father is so loving and tender and compassionate that he gets excited to jump into your mess. He jumped into the stable, leaping for joy. He wasn't excited for Herod's palace. He wasn't as excited for Herod's temple. He said he'd tear that down. The Father, in his infinite wisdom, was excited about cleaning up our manger story, which is the true condition of the human soul, a total pigsty. Mm. There's the nature of the Father, jumping inside the mess of the human soul. So all this ideas that we got to clean ourselves up to come to God, that I'm dirty, is just insanity because the very expression of his joy is found as he jumped into a dirty, poopy, smelly manger. The manger story. The revealing of the Father's humility to come into human depravity, to come into human stench, come into human uncleanliness and just be excited about it cause a whole ruckus amongst the shepherds a ruckus amongst the magi follow the stars listen he's such a wild god that he's like we're gonna throw a manger party i'm not gonna throw it in herod's palace it's not gonna be solomon's palace party maybe in a few thousand years we're gonna have a manger party we're gonna have a poopy pants party Poopy pants party. <laughs> Truth anyhow. Get the nature of the Father burned into you so you're not trying to be something you're not. You can allow him right into your poopy pants. It's true. We say it all the time. The Father's the best diaper changer. All day long, the priests change diapers. It's true. We change our own diapers. Why? Because white garments every morning, white linen. You get stained constantly, but the Father is the washing power, the bleaching power. The mountain of transfiguration shone with his glory power, and his garments were brighter than any person could bleach them, Matthew 16 says. So the Father isn't afraid of the dirtiness. Now that the lamb has been slain, 
He is in the thick of it, and that's where he wants to be. The Father is not some priest that's just all clean and nice. and so He is right there in the dirty mess. This is important because this is how you get cleaned up. He will raise you up into himself, and he will make you like himself so you can clean others. What does the Bible say? A clean, a clean stable is an empty pocketbook. <laughs> it means that unless you get yourself dirty, there will be no increase. You have to work inside the stable, inside the manger, inside all of the places of the animal flesh. Proverbs says these things so that wisdom would have you go into the darkness and turn it into light by the power of the glory of God. The greater your glory, the greater your ability to work as a priest. And you can work as a priest on the throne. Listen, Jesus didn't enter retirement. He entered joy. What has he been doing? Pouring drinks of the new wine for 2,000 years. It's called the priesthood of Melchizedek because Melchizedek brought joy to Abraham. A glass of wine. And a loaf of bread, representing the new covenant of faith. He brought him Jesus' flesh and Jesus' blood. And Abraham had communion. <laughs> he had the communion of the new covenant. Abraham wasn't the old covenant. He was tasting the new covenant called the priesthood of Melchizedek. Faith, wine, bread, joy, drinking from Jesus Christ, drinking from God the Father, because the eternal covenant is the covenant of Abraham, the covenant of faith. And the harvest is the stars and the sands of Abraham's offspring or Abraham's inheritance. Children of faith, children of the Holy Spirit, that will fill the universe and glorify the nation and all creation in the faith of God. People that will feast from Melchizedek's table. The high priest and apostle of the Holy of Holies beyond the veil. And what takes you beyond the veil? Believing the word. What is eating the bread? Believing the word of Melchizedek. Believing the promises of God even while you're wandering through a place of warfare, valleys of pits, all kinds of enemies trying to steal from your family and steal your promises. And the angels of the great I Am accompanied these men who believed the promises and cut down their demons and cut down their blood that was used on evil altars. And they prevailed, and they became great champions by partnering with heaven's promises and God empowering them with angel armies. Elijah's army was seen by Elisha. Look at, show my servant, all the angels, the chariots, the horsemen. Look at the armies of angels that accompany one man of faith. Every man and woman of faith has been given angels to finish their mission because you are battling not against flesh and blood, 
but against spiritual wickedness in high places, things that oppose you, diabolical evil. And you'd be surprised how intelligent that evil is. It's called the cunning serpent. It means genius in evil. A cunning serpent means a genius of evil, meaning unless you rely on the glory of Jesus, you will lose to your enemies all the time. You'll fall all the time. But the more and more you rely on the, ge the genius of Jesus, the more you'll overcome the genius of Satan. He's not a dumb devil. Scripture says it's diabolical genius because people just, you, you see how deceived people are. How do you control the nations with an intelligence of former archangels? Hello? <laughs> former archangels that's what you're doing a principality used to be an archangel and is not an archangel anymore so you're going against archangels people and you have been since you've been born again before that you're in captive under their kingdoms the kingdoms of this world so since you're fighting fallen archangels which is true don't you think we probably need the risen archangels, the glorious archangels, you don't even stand a chance without them. Why? The Bible talks about them. Michael, your angel of your people, the defender of your people, Daniel, is warring against the prince of Persia. You have archangel versus archangel versus prince, which is a fallen archangel, a principality. Michael, you all know, is an archangel. You didn't, did you know that Satan has archangels? That Satan was an archangel himself. It's called the covering cherubim, Ezekiel 28. Covering means arch. It's an arch covering. Like the dome and the canopy of the cherubim over the mercy seat, that's the arch. The angels that serve at that arch are the angels of the arch. Satan was the main archangel of the arch of the throne of God the Father. <laughs> and a bunch of other ones that were around that arch fell too. So huge, huge fall, one third of the angels. And you know how evil the earth has been for thousands of years of history. It's all because of the fallen archangels. All the other gimp angels and tiny other angels that fell with them are the smaller little demons some don't even have wings because they're just little tiny and it's so sad it almost makes you want to cry just think about what they were before and even see glimpses into it and it's all done and it's all judged and it's just a testimony to what you become being separated from God you become a hideous demonic creature and it is extremely sad you know it really broke God's heart and now you deal with reality that people rebel against doing the right thing. You deal with it, even though it's hard and it's not easy. You deal with it and you fix it and you do the right thing and you clean up the situation with wisdom. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to clean up this mess that the fallen angels made, that fallen humanity made, partnered with the fallen angels, and we're going to do it as priests. That's what the priesthood does. It cleans the mess. It cleans up the mess of the heart, the mess of the spirit, the mess of the mind. It cleans up the mess of the flesh. It cleans up the mess in the natural realm. Every single dimension gets cleaned up 
as we grow as priests. And we're going to become much more proficient as priests. The priesthood is the only meaning of life. You are a royal priesthood. It's how to serve God and use all that God is to help others. Doesn't matter if you're a full-time businessman. Doesn't matter what your profession is. If you work at home, if you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a priest that ministers before God. You know what's wonderful? Your arch, your priest of the arch. <laughs> He's not keeping you at a distance. He allows the little children to come to him. Do not hinder these children to come to me, for the kingdom belongs to such as these. Meaning, if you're a one-day-old Christian, you're not kept out in purgatory. He brings you right up into the arch, right up with Gabriel and Uriel and Michael and Raphael, right up into the ark. And he'll bring you right up into his crown and he'll display you as a newborn Christian, one week, two weeks old in the Lord, to all the mature ancient angels as a precious son and daughter. That's why you're greater than the angels. You are the redeemed of creation. You are the redeemed of the earth. And though you were lost, now you're found. Though you were dead, now you are alive. And that is precious to heaven. And, and heaven understands, the angels understand, how the miracle of God's Holy Spirit comes into your spirit and adopts you into his divine family. Div adopts you right up into the throne that you are now seated with Christ in heavenly places in your spirit day one when you're born again that is the miracle of being translated out of darkness of the natural realm into the glory of the glory realm <laughs> and all you have to do is believe in Jesus Jesus come into our hearts and you could be a 20-year-old disciple, you could be a prophet and apostle, and you'd still rejoice when the person says, Jesus, come into my heart and take me into heaven. Take my soul into your throne. Take me on a tour of the archway of trust. <laughs> take me up and carry me on your head. Let me sit upon your crown. Let me sit upon your head as your child and have that high bird's eye view and share the realm of the covering cherubim right on the head of God the Father and he will take you into that place and you'll begin to feel it in your emotions. Some of you are feeling it right now. Others are being taken according to your faith. <laughs> Thank you, Father, for adopting us in it enlarging our faith to experience you in all our souls. We want to live out of your throne room. We want to live from your lap. Don't you? Seated with Christ. And the Bible says that the overcomers will be seated with me on my throne. And they shall rule the nations with iron scepter. Does he give children scepters? Well, his scepter is right there as you grow up into it. His scepter will protect you. His rod and his scepter, they comfort me. Psalms 23. That as you walk through the valley of the shadow of the death that's in your soul, dark night, 
You'll come into his light. And there the overcomer's gifts are waiting for you. But he's with you as you walk through all the pathways of your own soul. Never alone, Emmanuel. God is always with us, closer than a brother, nearer than your heart beating blood, closer than the air you're breathing. Your maker is your husband, Scripture says. And he will never give you a divorce certificate. You have married the King of Glory. That doesn't mean everyone's reaction is the same to him. It's rare to have people walk with me in this life. <laughs> Preach to 100 million people and, and walk with 100. So it's literally about one in a million have walked with me in this path. About one in a million. It's precious. It's about the same statistics as Jesus. He had 10 million Israelites in Israel and he had about 12 disciples. One of them's the devil, so about one in a million. Isn't that wild? The perfect path is one in a million. And Jesus said, no one can come to me unless they're drawn by my Father. If you are here listening today, you have been drawn by God the Father. And if I be lifted up, I will draw all to my Father, Scripture says. Meaning, during the valley, during the sanctification, during the glorification, the training for reigning, it's one in a million. Jesus and his disciples, an apostle and his disciples. But later on, as the apostolic ship, the apostleship, is lifted up in the full display of God's throne, all will be drawn into the apostleship, which is the true representation of the invisible God. That is what every apostle is to grow up into. Sonship. The fullness of the breaking of the dawn of day. The fullness of the making of the light of the glory through our hearts perfected in faith. By walking with God through this world and experiencing tremendous suffering for Christ's sake. It is through suffering that each one of us is made perfect. But he gives you ecstasy while you suffer. He gives you angels to comfort you. Jesus, after 40 days of fasting, was comforted by myriads of angels came and attended to him. They brought him bread. They brought him drink. They nourished his bones, back massage, spa time. Here's some Garden of Eden. Man, whoo! That's over with. Hallelujah. Let's party now. Let's celebrate. Good job. Every single checkpoint in your life, there will be celebrations as you mature. Oh, it is so precious to the Father as he fathers spirits, as he fathers glory, as he fathers you as lights. And your lights are shining ever brighter. There are degrees of your lights that are checkpoints that the Father will bring celebrations into the realm of the natural to celebrate your growth sometimes it's just you and the angels maybe a couple friends maybe even your best friends or your family isn't even aware of your breakthrough of some test you overpassed and matured your light your spirit your glory by god the father's fathering into the next level and degree of light Sometimes people can't see that, but there will be celebrations for everyone 
as they pass their tests and go from glory to glory. Let that encourage you. Do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season it will produce a harvest of righteousness. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for your harvest of righteousness amongst this group and every listener blessed with tremendous harvest. Harvest wheat, grain in abundance, new wine flowing. Give us the joy of the Lord and give us strength to do what is right in everything and to obey you according to your word. Thank you, Father. I pray you make yourself clear to every heart listening right now of what you would have them do in life. The very destiny scroll that you've put in their chest and written upon their heart. I pray that the letters of fire written upon your hearts of blood would be illuminated into your minds so you would have clarity in your destiny. Without a destiny scroll, you're just lost and confused. You know what? You'll just serve other people's destiny scrolls. And sometimes that's good for a season. God had me do that for many years. <laughs> that was part of my destiny is to help other people's destinies because it's all God's destiny for this planet. God's destiny for you is how he could be most pleasured through your life. That's what heaven is. You pleasing God. Enoch pleased God and God took him. That is critical that the fire of the words of the Holy Spirit, the very hand of God the Father, writes on the blood of your heart what he has for you to do. And the grace of the Holy Ghost would so flood you with excitement for the plans He has for you. You are precious members of the body of Christ. And the body of Christ has getting better and better at their divine skills for thousands of years. We've been the body of Christ for 2,000 years. We've been the embodiment, the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ since he ascended to the Father and we got the Holy Ghost at Pentecost, we are now his flesh and blood and we have grown in his skills. Every member in particular of his body has a skill. And this generation is the perfecting of those skills just like those that were skilled artisans that came out of Egypt that worked with gold. They still can't figure out how they made the ark and how they made all those gold objects the skill level is beyond anything we are currently able to do on planet Earth in 2020. That's the skill of the glory. The skill of the Spirit who does miracles in our flesh. That brings such an excellence in the refinement of our minds. That we are the most exquisite and excellent people in all our trades in the world. That's what will get the world's attention, is our excellence. It's very important as you learn your place in the body, as you see the hand of God write with fire on the blood of your heart, the things he has for you to do in life, that you excel in excellence. No matter what it is, it is the best 
possible thing you could ever do on the earth. Illuminate it, Holy Spirit, to every mind at the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name. We bless you guys. If you'd like to give an offering into this ministry, you can give at redlettermin.com. We love you so much. Be blessed head to toes with fresh glory constantly. We pray for encounters and new dreams and new visions of the future that it would so encourage you tonight that you would just completely have outbursts of joy all the time for no reason because there's so much excitement of Jesus Christ rising and manifesting out of your hearts. I pray. Amen. We'll see you guys on Tuesday because Monday's our Sabbath. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs>